Amen. Check this out. One day there's this husband, and he went to the police station to file a missing person report for his missing wife, right? How many guys say it's a good thing to do? Husbands, all you had to do was raise your hand. You could score points like that. Woody, I'm trying to help you out. Right? And so the husband, he goes there and he says, hey, uh, I lost my wife and uh, she went shopping and she hasn't come back yet. And so the police officer, he says, okay, um, uh, what's her height? And the husband says, well, um, I never really checked. And the police officer says, well, uh, was she slim or hefty? And he said, well, she's not slim. And, and the officer said, well, what, what was the color of her eyes? And he said, well, to, to be honest with you, I never really noticed, you know, and, and the police officer, he says, uh, well, what color hair does she have? And the husband said, well, you, you know, it changes, you know, according to season and stuff. And the police officer, he says, well, what, what was she wearing? And he says, well, I don't know, is it a dress or a suit? I'm not really sure. And the officer said, well, was she driving? And the husband said, yeah. And the officer said, all right, what was the number, the name, and the color of the car? And the husband said, it was a pale blue 1967 Ford Mustang with a supercharged V8 engine generating 350 horsepower with an 8-speed Tiptronic uh, automatic transmission with a manual mode and full LED lights which use light-emitting diodes for all light function and it has a thin scratch on the right left door. And the police officer says, don't worry, sir, we will find your car. <laughs> Thank you very much. I need those cowbells for that one. But uh, that's right. Uh, hey, how many guys would say that Orson got in big trouble with Jeanette after that? You know what I'm saying? What year is that Mustang, Orson? You don't want to say. That's good. Just stay right there. Okay, but that's right. Uh, yeah, what was the problem there with Orson or whoever that was? Uh, he was concerned about all the wrong things, right? <laughs> he had something bigger you need to be concerned about, not just the car, okay? Now, folks, believe it or not, Orson's not the only one, uh, or whoever that was, uh, is concerned with the only thing, uh, uh, more important things. Uh, did you know the Bible says one day, unfortunately, the whole planet is going to do this you're going to be concerned about all the wrong things and because that one day they're going to be left behind and they will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation and that is not a joke okay you'll wish it was just a missing person's report okay jesus said listen that is a time when god is going to pour out his wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet okay it's going to be the worst time jesus said in man's history never to be repeated again and that unless god shortened that time frame the entire human race would be completely wiped out Okay, that's how serious it is. But praise God, God's not just a God of wrath. He's a God of love as well. And that's why he gives us so many warning signs, loving indicators, so that we would not be caught off guard. So we would know. We don't know the exact day nor the hour. The scripture's clear about that. Okay, but we would know when it's getting close. The tribulation and hello before that, the rapture of the church. Okay, and folks, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to continue in our final countdown update uh, this morning and what we've already been seeing is the first four updates was the uh, Jewish people the Antichrist modern technology and if you were here last time we saw even worldwide upheaval is a sign the planet is going to get way worse before Jesus comes back now we saw last time the first one was the rise of wars and rumors of wars and good thing we see no signs of that today uh, turn on your TV, okay? It's happening all over the place. But thanks to the modern technology and the inventions that come with wars and rise of wars, we saw that other passages are coming alive as well for the first time in the history of mankind. We saw there's a super war coming called the Gog and Magog prophecy or Ezekiel 38 war. And we saw that's where the Bible predicted 2,600 years ago that Magog, Russia, would come down from the north, work with a confederation of nations to come against Israel and try to destroy her. Good thing that's not happening. Yeah, that's really in the news. Then we saw people are going to build these super hideouts, holes in the ground and things of that nature. Not just the military, not just the rich people, but your average Joe is going to try to hide out from some horrible event coming. And we even saw that you can even, companies are building them for you. You don't even have to do it yourself. Okay, then we saw the uh, creation of some super beasts by DARPA. Those robotic animals, uh, wild beasts, okay, uh, that can hunt people down, as crazy as that sounds, okay? Maybe it's a natural wild beast that John saw that kills one-fourth of the planet with the sword, famine, and plague. Maybe it's a technological one. Either way, we have both of them on the planet right now. And then finally, we saw uh, they're going to create super soldiers, uh, which was a kind of a, not going to say, thus saith the Lord, but a crone theory that uh, with all this technology, we could take average Joes, turn them into literal superheroes to dupe them one last time to try to take on God at the Battle of Armageddon. How many guys would say that's the ultimate suicide mission? And that's exactly what the text says. <laughs> Jesus puts it down. You don't want to be duped, but that's what the enemy does, unfortunately, okay? But that's not all. The second sign to indicate that we are headed for worldwide upheaval, the planet is going to get messed up, is, folks, there's going to be an increase of what? Famines. And good thing we see no signs of that here in America. 
That's the big one. But don't take my word for it. Open your Bibles once again to our text, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Okay, and again, this is the classic text where Jesus lets his disciples know, how do you know it's getting close? What are some things that we can expect to see uh, if uh, his return is around the corner? Okay, Matthew 24, verse 3 through 8. When you get there, say moo. Moo, that's a pretty good consensus there. All right, Matthew 24, starting with verse 3, here's what it says. Now, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us, Jesus, um, when will this happen? And, and what's going to be the sign of your coming and the what? The end of the age. And Jesus answered, first of all, hey, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and unfortunately deceive many. Then you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Uh, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. You're going to see nation will rise against nation. You're going to see kingdom against kingdom. That's where we left off last time. But what's the next one? There will be, no doubt about it, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And if you think that's bad, verse 8 says, hey, that's nothing. All these are just the beginning of birth pain. Okay? And again, if you were here last time, we saw right after that first warning of deceit there, according to our text, just going down the list, Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. The second thing, watch out. You're going to start to see this rise of wars and rumors of wars and nations going against each other. But the very next thing we just saw it there was he is, says, and it says there in various places, the context is global. He says, you're going to see an increase of what? Famines, okay? Now, again, the scoffer, the skeptic would look at this and say, famines, famines, whoop-de-doo-dah, big deal. We've always had famines. Yeah, after the fall of man, there's been famines here, been famines there. But folks, the point is, not like we see today. Not like we see today. As we saw before, folks, in the last century, there's been a massive explosion of worldwide famines like never before in the history of mankind. Listen to this, folks. We saw this before. The World Health Organization right now estimates that while one-third of the world is well-fed, you and I basically, right now one-third of our planet is underfed. Listen, right now as we sit here, one-third of our world is starving to death right now. One-third of our planet. Why? Because what's happening is... Just to give you one instance, 12,000 square miles of Africa is turning into deserts every single year. 12,000, okay, is turning into a desert, okay? And in just two of their countries, Sudan and Somalia, they're facing some of their worst droughts ever. Here's what's going on over there right now as we sit here today. Let's take a look. The fact is there is a lot of hunger here in Sudan. And if, it, if the rains aren't good this year, it's, it's going to really be bad. I'd say the biggest problem is that death rates and, and disease rates are simply out of hand. As long as they understand that there is no water for them here, they will have to move to where the water is. They will have no alternative for that. Because of the drought, this is now the reality of the meaning of famine. We, did, we, we, we discussed the terminology the numbers, the figures, the statistics, but this is what the reality is. When we say famine, we look at Abdurov and his family here, and we see famine in reality, in the flesh. This, the situation is very, very desperate for them to have walked, traveled 320 kilometers across the arid desert in the heat, leaving everything that they know must have been sheer desperation to have made that arduous journey. We like to think the likes of Rauf and this family, Abdullah, Rauf and this family are the fortunate ones. It's difficult to say that I'm looking at a fortunate family. It's a real failure of, of humanity. I think this is how we're going to be judged in the future. Yeah, that's exactly what the Bible said. Kind of ironic. It's, uh, you know, we're wondering what we're going to do for the fourth and one-third of our planet is living with that. And that's the tip of the iceberg. Africa is not the only ones, folks. Uh, so, as we saw before, so are the Chinese. Okay? 
Uh, today as we speak, China is losing 4,000 square miles of landmass to deserts every single year. Right now, one-third of their total landmass is covered in the form of massive drifting sand dunes. Imagine one-third of the United States, just a big old pile of sand. That's what they're dealing with over there right now. Okay, we don't hear much about it, but that's what's going on. And just to give you an idea of how much uh, uh, deserts are uh, increasing around the planet, a, uh, throughout the world, a land area bigger than the state of Texas is becoming deserts every single year. It's growing, okay? And here's the point, no matter what they try to do, no matter what kind of technology we keep trying to throw at it, uh, nothing's stopping it. The deserts keep coming, and so guess what comes with that? So will famine. Okay, and to me, this is one of those Bible prophecy signs that we Christians here in the West, I don't think we really take too serious. It doesn't seem to impact us very much. And I think it's because we think that we're cushioned from it. I think we think it's never going to come here. But folks, you better get ready because it's already coming to America and we know it's going to come to America and it has to come to America because the context is global, which includes America. So if we know we're really getting close, then if you start seeing it in America, wow, you better wake up. Well, folks, what in the world do you think is happening? As we saw before, drought is spreading across 14 states uh, from Florida to Arizona. Texas is so bad, okay, with drought conditions that, listen, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has designated all, not just some, every single county in the state of Texas is now considered a natural disaster area. 254 counties, okay? Now, if you were here last time when we talked about this, here was the photo that we saw, and that's the drought conditions in the 14 states as it started to spread through the United States. Now, it was, what, eight months ago or so, whenever we talked about this last time, maybe a little bit longer than that. Here's the new updated photo. You tell me if it's getting a little worse. Now, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, folks, right now, get this, right now across the United States, we are experiencing 50% of the United States is now suffering drought conditions. Now, do you notice not just Texas down there, and uh, it's going from yellow to red? Have you noticed California? We're going to get to that in a second, and that's the big problem right there. Half of the United States right now is suffering uh, drought conditions, and it's spreading. Listen to the words that are being used if you're paying attention to the newspaper. This, in our country right now, is being called the new dust bowl. It's being called, quote, drier than they were, the conditions, and worse than they were back in the 1930s. And just like the old dust bowl, uh, dust storms on a massive scale are coming back with a vengeance. Here's just one in Lubbock, Texas. Watch this. The folks in West Texas say it was the worst dust storm in decades, and it swept through Lubbock yesterday in a way that reminded some of the veterans, the old timers, of the dust bowl storms back in the 1930s. Wow. Home video captured the scene in West Texas. The horizon looked like something from a science fiction thriller. That is terrifying. But for residents in Lubbock, Texas, it was no movie. It was horrible. <laughs> Scary, really. Just a big old black cloud of dust. That 8,000-foot-high wall of dust washed across the high plains pushed by hurricane-force winds. We had wind gusts of 74 miles an hour. Let's show you some video, and this is going to be from our News Channel 11 Tower Cam. This was during our 6 o'clock newscast, and watch the wall of dust. The winds bent power poles and ripped buildings apart. We saw a third of our roof get blown across the back parking lot. It landed on several cars, and some of it ended up about 100 yards away. Look at all the dust. Oh, my God. I've never seen anything really this severe in West Texas. It is 5.30 in the afternoon right now. As the seasons change and the drought continues, Texas runs the risk of more scenes like this when dust turns day into night. Wow. It was seen stuff like that since those old black and white movies and the old newsreels and the dust bowl and it's coming back. Now, believe it or not, believe it or not, that one right there, that was a baby one. And I mean a baby one. Get this, man. One dust storm was so big, and I quote, it covered most of the state of Kansas and western Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle and eastern Colorado all at the same time. It's a massive dust storm. That's what's going on back there. And that's why one guy said this, listen, this is a recipe for disaster. Why? Because it's gotten so bad, folks, that some towns in Texas, it's getting so bad, the water scarcity, that they're now considering drinking their own toilet water. Watch this. It's turned to Texas now, where an extreme drought is forcing one town to take some pretty dramatic actions. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez is in Wichita Falls to explain this. Gabe, good morning to you. 
Matt, good morning. We're here inside the city's water treatment plant, and officials insist that this process is not only safe, but necessary because of the drought. But some residents think it's just plain gross. In bone dry Texas, desperate times are calling for desperate measures. It makes me nervous. I'm, I'm concerned about my kids' health. In Wichita Falls, population 100,000, years of sizzling drought have prompted sprinkler and car wash restrictions. But the city fears it'll run out of water in just two years. So it's fishing for answers down the toilet. We don't have any other options. Well, just the very thought that you might be drinking your own wastewater is never comforting. All right, a moment of truth at Sunrise Baptist Church. How many guys would agree with that guy? That's not too comforting. Drinking toilet water, okay? But hey, you got to do what you got to do. This is what's happening in not Africa, not China, America. Oh, it'll be okay. It's okay to glamorize sin all the way to the top echelons of our country. It's okay to promote it in schools. It's okay to mock God. No, it's not. Is this just signs that we're living in the last days? Or is this signs that the judgment of God is starting upon our nation and we need to repent? I kind of think that that's exactly what's going on. But that's still all. It's not just Texas. Now, if you notice the map we saw earlier, it wasn't just Texas. It was what was the other state? California. That's right, Don. California, you were watching and paying attention. Give it up for Don. Thank you. Right? Okay, it was California. Now, the big thing is this. California is being severely thrashed. Okay, and this one uh, should get our attention. Uh, and the reason why is because California feeds a whole lot of people. Not just us here in America, but around the world. So what happens to California uh, is going to affect a whole lot of people. Okay, that's the big one. Okay, now, gee, what state in our nation is one of the biggest states that's promoting some of this sin? Interesting. I wonder if that's by chance. But right now, according to the experts, California is facing its worst drought, listen to this, in 1,250 years. That's how bad it is over there. 1,250 years. A federal agency just came out and said, quote... Some California farmers will receive no irrigation water this year. The first time in its 54-year history, the state water project turned off its spigot. Why? Because there is not enough water to go around. In fact, they're actually getting geared up to certain communities. Texas is thinking about drinking their toilet water. In California, they're having to uh, truck in fresh water for people to drink. Okay, watch this. It's dry. There's nothing can grow in there. It's a grim forecast for farmer Andy Dimanagoni. His fields usually produce wheat, which ends up as bread. This year's historic California drought may doom much of his harvest. We grow about 3,000 acres of wheat, and we'll probably not harvest any of it. California is considered the breadbasket of the world and produces half of all the fruit, vegetables, and nuts consumed in the U.S. Everybody's going to feel it, not only in food prices, but in water prices, too. The state is also warning that 17 small water systems could run out of water within weeks. California isn't alone in its water troubles. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has declared drought disaster areas in parts of 11 states. Water managers throughout the region are being forced to tap other depleting water sources. We're relying on groundwater to make up as much surface water shortages as we can. That means our groundwater aquifer is going to de decrease. And it's not just going to be decreased, there's a good chance the groundwater that everybody's been banking on for all these years is going to go bye-bye. Okay, you talk about a divine appointment. Okay, back in January, I actually took some vacation. It's a neat concept. I think I read an article about it one time. But back in January, when we were on vacation, we went to visit family in California. You guys know where my family is, hopefully, all three of you. But uh, so we went in Northern California, Sacramento. Well, right outside of Sacramento is uh, where they first discovered gold and caught the, the gold rush in Coloma, California. It's right outside of Sacramento. So we're looking for something to do with the kids, the little crumb snatchers. So we took them there to Coloma. And if you've ever been there, they got it set up like this old gold west town and all these old shops and stuff. And they actually have a blacksmith shop, an actual one. And the guy's in there, they're volunteers in the community, and they actually make stuff from hand, you know, like the old days. And so we homeschool, so we thought, oh, that's a cool project for the kids to check out, how they used to make tools and stuff like that. So we're in there, and one of the volunteers, I kid you not, Bill, I go in there, we're talking about him, he's a volunteer. You know what he actually does for a living? He was a hydrologist, a water drought expert. Ooh, come here, I have questions for you. I, you should, I, was, I was like a little puppy. Can I ask you some questions? 
right? I kid you not. And listen, I talk about a divine appointment. This was January. I had an actual, this was the actual conversation I had with the guy, okay? And what he told me was, it is way worse than even what the news is reporting. He said, it's not only the worst drought in 1,250 years, but the, just to give you an idea of what's happening in the Southwest, he said the average well depth in Texas used to be five to seven feet. You go down five to seven feet, bang, you got water. He said it's now 500 feet. He said that underground aquifer that he's talking about, he said it's going, it's being depleted. It's the Ogallala uh, aquifer, I believe. And he said, you know what the current answer is? They're drilling more wells, which means it's just going to go even faster. That's their current solution. He was blown away by it, and so was I. And then even if you stop the wells, he said we're running into an even bigger crisis than that. He says, we have sucked that aquifer so dry for so long that what is happening is the ground is starting to collapse in on itself. It used to be porous, so when it rained, it became the container to hold the excess water. But now that the ground has collapsed in on itself, he said, even if it starts to rain, people keep saying that, oh, it'll just rain again. But even if it rained again, now it can't hold the water. So you just lost your giant storage bin. In fact, I was absolutely uh, able to finally find a news broadcast that admitted it's so bad the ground is sinking in California. Let's take a look. America relies on California's Central Valley for most of its fruits and vegetables. And the Central Valley relies on the San Joaquin River to grow those crops. That river is running dry, and the consequences could change California and the country forever. The salmon are gone, the steelhead are gone. There's just no water for anything, for ag, for fish, for recreation, for anything. To keep farms and cities alive, wells have been drilled to tap the groundwater. But those aquifers are overused. When you take the water out of those pore spaces, then the aquifer system collapses a little bit and now you have some subsidence at the land surface. The major impacts of overwithdrawal include uh, actually sinking of the land. An area the size of Rhode Island, right in the middle of California, is sinking. It's a crisis evolving into a catastrophe. Well, why? Because even if it rains a bunch, even if it does, you're not going to be able to store it like you used to. So then I asked the hydrologist, I'm still continuing on that conversation, I asked him the proverbial question. You know, California, it's all lined up against the coast, so what's your backup plan? Those desalination plants, right? What about those? Why don't we just whoop out a bunch of those? Case closed, we're cool. He says, uh, first of all, you need to understand that's not a quick fix. And you got several problems with that idea. He said, first of all, there's the cost. You got a billion dollars just to build one? Not a million, a billion, okay? He said, in fact, one plant, I just uh, saw this this week, one plant that's supposed to go online, a desalination plant in the San Diego area next year, listen, it costs just that, one billion dollars. And listen to this, here's what it's going to produce. Listen, 50 million gallons per day. Woo, yeah! Listen to this. Which is enough to offset only 7% of that county's usage. Not the state, just that area locally and only 7% for a billion dollars. Oh, and by the way, how long does it take to build one of those? let alone try to get the Senate to even pass a bill to fund it to, excuse me? And that's what he says. He says, listen, that's not all. You also got a power problem. He says, you want a nuclear power plant next to each one? And he says, then you also got a plumbing problem. Even if you build a massive big giant one, uh, let's say in San Francisco in the Bay Area, in the middle of the state, okay? How in the world do you get it to the rest of California and the rest of the internal United States? First of all, it wouldn't even be enough that one only produced 7% of just the county. But even if you can come up with some monstrosity, how do you get it to everywhere else it needs to go? It's not just building the plant, it's the plumbing. And then how much is that going to cost? And then how much is that going to taste? He said there isn't enough time. And his last words were this. He believes, according to the expert, he believes we are four to eight years away from the tipping point. We're not coming back. Which is why, if you're paying attention to the news, listen to these terms. I've never heard these terms, not just in the world, certainly not here in America. They said, quote, we need to brace ourselves, listen to this word, a mega drought. Not just drought, a mega drought, quote, one that could last for 200 years or more. Which is why they're saying, hey, we are headed for a serious food crisis. And what follows a food crisis? 
famine, not in Africa, not in China, where? Right here in the United States. In fact, right now it's already begun. 49 million Americans are facing food scarcity and experts are saying this uh, should not be taken lightly, okay? Because as the video said, uh, uh, California is the breadbasket of the world and certainly here in America. Let's just give ourselves an idea of the food that we take for granted that only comes from California. And if California goes down, we're in a heap of trouble and it's already starting to go down. So let's take a look at what it produces. 44% of all asparagus in the United States comes just from California. Now, if you're like me and you don't like spare guts, that's what I call them, uh, hey, no big deal, right? Well, let's keep going on uh, down the road. Uh, 50% of the bell peppers in America come from California, 66% of all of our carrots, 83% of fresh spinach, uh, 89% of cauliflower, 90% uh, of the leaf lettuce we consume, bye-bye salads, okay? 94% uh, of broccoli and 95% of celery all comes from just California. And a third of the total fresh tomatoes consumed in the U.S. Uh, and 95% of them that goes to cans and other processing purposes like ketchup and other things like that. That all comes from California. 99% of artichokes are grown in the, U, uh, in the U.S. come from California. Say goodbye to those critters. Oh, 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 but that's just vegetables. What about fruit? 25% uh, of oranges we eat come from California. 84% of our peaches come from California. 86% of lemons come from California. 88% of fresh strawberries come from California. 97% of all of our plums that we consume come from California. So I got a theory and it goes like this, Tom. Hey, if California goes down, we're all going down. And that's why the expert, we should have, last year we should have woken up when it had started over there on Florida and made its way to Texas. But did we turn around? No. And it kept going, and now where's it at? California, the place that feeds our country. You really think that's by chance? I don't think so. And folks, it's not just the fruits and veggies. It's the meat. Anybody notice that uh, the prices are going nuts on all kinds of food? It's certainly the meat. You know why? Because it all spills downhill. California, not only, and the other states like Texas and the Midwest, they not only don't have the water to grow the plants, but if you don't have the water to grow the plants, that means you don't have the plants to feed the livestock that gets turned into the meat, okay? In fact, right now, listen to this. Farmers are having to get rid of cattle because there is no grass to feed them. So they're just slaughtering them because they can't feed them. The cattle supply in America is at a 61-year low, okay? And some ranchers are reporting that their herds are 90% smaller than what they used to be. You think the meat prices are bad now? You haven't seen anything yet. One guy said it's going to be catastrophic and there will be repercussions at the supermarket. The prices are going to get worse, okay? But again, it's not just a, 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 a United States. California feeds the world, which means everybody's going to feel the pinch, which is why they're not just saying that America is headed for a serious food crisis because of what's happening to America. But don't worry. It's no big deal that our president's doing what he's doing. It's no big deal that what we're doing with our moral, excuse me, immoral behavior, it's okay. We've been doing it for so long. Everything's been, do you think maybe it's starting to come back to bite us? Now you know why I didn't want to change my message for July 4th? Because folks, we need revival. And this isn't just a sign we're living the last days. This is a sign that unless our country turns around, we're in a heap of trouble. We need revival. And that starts with the church, not the world. Okay? Don't pray for revival. Live for revival. What's happening around the world is we are headed for a global food crisis. Food riots uh, and riots caused by food issues are already started in Tunisia, Egypt, Yemen, Somalia, Cameroon, Mozambique, Sudan, Haiti, India, Syria, Iraq, Oman, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Libya, Uganda, Mauritania, Algeria, Argentina, Brazil, Bangladesh, China, Kyrgyzstan, South Africa, Colombia, Libya, Sweden, Bulgaria, Chile, Thailand, Bangladesh, Ukraine, and Bosnia, so on and so forth. Why? Because listen, not just Africa, not just China, but America is facing a water crisis. And can I tell you something? It's about to get astronomically worse. Because now this water crisis is occurring across the planet. Watch this. This is wild, man. This is really bad, folks. Uh, right now, 1.6 billion people on our planet live in areas of the world that are facing absolute water scarcity. 1.6 billion people on our planet as we sit here today. Global water usage has quadrupled over the past 100 years and continues to rise rapidly. Uh, One third of all global corn crops are facing water stress. 
the major staple of food supply on the planet. A child dies from a water-related disease every 15 seconds. How many children, just since the time we came here for services unto God, have died? Just because of something we take for granted called water. Okay, let's continue on. By 2025, two-thirds of the earth will be living under water stress condition. Two-thirds. That's not that far away in water stress conditions. The amount of water that China imports is greater than the amount of oil that the United States imports. Well, why? Well, because here's what's going on over there. Approximately 80% of the major rivers in China have become so polluted they are no longer able to support any aquatic life at all. So they are losing because they've ruined their fresh water supply. Listen to the solution, folks. This should get our attention. The Great Lakes here in America hold about 21% of the total supply of fresh water in the entire world. Woohoo! We're safe. We got a mate. Our president right now is allowing water from those lakes to be, this is a direct quote, to be drained, bottled, and shipped to China at a frightening pace. There goes our supply. Excuse me? Uh, it's being projected that India, now notice China and India have the biggest population. India's got the same problem. They're going to run out of water. They're projecting run out of water, fresh water, by 2050. It's been estimated that 75% of all surface water in India has been contaminated by human or agricultural waste. They're doing the same thing. Okay? It's going to, we're going to run out. The global demand for water will, will exceed global supply of water by 40% by 2030. We're going to run out. Which is why one guy said this, quote, for generations we've been able to take our seemingly endless supplies of fresh water completely for granted, but things have changed now. We are heading into a horrendous water crisis unlike anything that the world has ever experienced before. And right now there does not seem to be any large-scale solutions capable of addressing this crisis. If nothing is done, the lack of fresh water will eventually be deeply felt by, listen, direct quote, nearly everyone where on the entire planet. And then he says, oh, but this is just the beginning. Where have I heard those words before? Oh, that's right. Jesus said, um, that's the beginning of birthday. We're getting that close. We refuse to turn around as a nation. I no longer believe that judgment is coming to America. I think judgment has come to America. And we need to repent and i'm not talking the world i'm talking the church because that's how revival starts okay but that's not all we're going to take a look at one more real quick the third sign to indicate we are headed for worldwide upheaval is there going to be an increase of what earthquakes and that's exactly what our text said let's go back there real quickly matthew 24 verse 3 7 and 8 as jesus was sitting on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately and they said hey tell us jesus when is this going to happen what's going to be the sign of the end of the age uh, you're coming in the end of the age and he says of course deceit he says wars and rumors of wars but then we saw he said there's going to be famines we see that right now even in america and what earthquakes now notice what follows earthquakes there what's it say in various places now that should get your attention and again, he says, believe it or not, as bad as it is, that's all just the beginning of birth pains, okay? And again, the scoffer's going to look at this and say, earthquakes, whoop de doo da no big deal, we've always had earthquakes. But listen, yeah, we've had earthquakes since the fall of man, but not on the scale that we see today. And we saw that clearly last time, folks. Uh, the ground right now across the planet is not like cracking up, but this is a direct quote from the seismologists around the planet. Quote, scientists are now sounding the alarm that, quote, mysterious cracks are appearing all across the planet right now. And it's caused them to utter these words. Listen to this, Tom. Quote, we are entering a new period of seismic disturbances. Can I translate that for you? 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, you're going to see an increase of earthquake. So, so they're admitting it, okay? And they're not only saying, listen, earthquakes, uh, something is seriously wrong, but they're acknowledging that they're getting bigger and they're getting more numerous. Let's take a look at some of that data we saw before just to give you an idea. This is just the United States. This is the actual geological map, okay? And this is back in 2006. I've been tracking this for a while. And back on this day, I just happened to hop on the site and there was 454 earthquakes in one week just in the United States, right? Two years later, I happened to go. And uh, take a look at the map there, as you can see the date up there. And I just happened to take a look, and there was 1,100 exactly earthquakes in one week just in the United States, okay? And if you don't think that uh, that's a trend, again, as we saw before, this is the actual map. You can see it up top from the USGS. This is earthquakes magnitude 6 and up to 8 
Does anybody see a notice lately, a serious, serious spike? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people, they want to scoff at this. Say, oh, no, there's no indicators. It's in Excuse me? And that's from their website, okay? And again, here's the point for you and I. We've saw that, uh, seen that before. But Jesus, like exactly like he said, you're not just going to see big earthquakes. You're not just going to see an increase of earthquakes. You're going to see earthquakes, listen, in various places. I mean, I mean, even places that you would think would never have an earthquake problem. Like Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Did you know, listen, o Oklahoma had 20 earthquakes hit in one day recently. And Oklahoma had 2,611 earthquakes just last year. Oklahoma. You think, That's, that place is safe. In fact, listen to this. For the first few months of this year, Oklahoma was outpacing California for earthquakes uh, the first part of this year. Okay? And this is a place that you would expect that would never have a problem with earthquakes. But that's what the text says in various places, right? In fact, they're acknowledging something really weird is going on. Watch this. We begin this half hour with earthquakes in Oklahoma. It is an odd thought. The Sooner State is not exactly quake country. Yeah, just this week, there were 150 Oklahoma quakes. And this year, less than two months into 2014, the number is nearly 800. Jeffrey Kluger, editor-at-large for Time Magazine, is here with more. Jeffrey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks this for is a me. pretty stunning number, isn't it? It's a really stunning number, especially when you consider the fact that from 1975 to 2008, there was precisely one quake per year with a magnitude of 3.0 or over in Oklahoma. There were 2,600 quakes under 3.5 last year alone. Could these earthquakes get a lot bigger? Yes, and the funny, the detail I like to, to the analogy I, I like the best is that a 3.0 quake causes a shaking that's the equivalent to a carton of milk falling from your counter on the right. kitchen floor. That's not too much. But Oklahoma had a 5.6 Richter quake in 2011, which was, broke a 56 or 60-year uh, record of a 5.5 back in 1952. So they're getting bigger, and that can mean trouble. Mm, yeah. How many of you guys would agree? Looks like uh, there's no safe place to hide. We're seeing earthquakes not just increase, but in various places. And, and listen, it's not just Oklahoma, folks. Hundreds of earthquakes are now happening in all kinds of various places. Listen to these states that are now having an earthquake problem. Idaho, Ohio, Alabama. Because we all know for years, as soon as we graduated from high school, our parents warned us. Our parents drilled us in our head. Don't you ever, son. Don't you ever move to Alabama. There's earthquakes down there. You'll die. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama has got a serious earthquake problem in Oklahoma and these places. Okay. Now, some would say that you were, the reason why we're seeing the increase of these earthquakes in these various areas is due to a, uh, it's called fracking. And it's a new way that they're drilling oil. And it could be. The word's still out on that. Uh, some would say, no, it doesn't. Uh, some are using that as an excuse to try to you know, downplay it, say it's not a big concern. But here's my point, folks. It doesn't really matter if you really think about the prophetic significance, right? Whether it's natural, whether it's fracking, schmacking, whatever it is, what are you seeing on the planet in various places? Earthquakes regardless, right? How does that change the prophetic significance? It doesn't. In fact, one of the ones they're really concerned about is right in the heartland of the United States. Almost right in the middle. Believe it or not, most people don't realize this. There's a fault line there that blows anything else away on the coast. It's called the New Madrid Fault Line. And they said if that baby goes off, we're in a heap of trouble. There is no place to hide in America once these things start going off. Let's take a look. The biggest earthquake ever to hit the lower 48 states was not the 6.7 Northridge quake in 1994 or the 6.9 Loma Prieta quake in 1989 or even the 7.8 San Francisco quake of 1906. But the series of three quakes which struck near St. Louis in 1811 and 1812. The earth didn't just shake, it discharged bizarre sand geysers, spewed strange vapors, made the Mississippi River run backwards. 
and sucked lakes dry. All of a sudden, the hand of God comes down and strikes right where you're at. For many, it seemed to be the end of the world. These people were scared to death. But it wasn't over. Thousands of aftershocks rattled the continent for five more months. They rang church bells in Boston. They rattled China in New York. They were felt in Detroit. They were felt in Washington, D.C. What if that same earthquake were to strike the Midwest today? The lives of at least 11 million Americans would be in peril. The problem today is that what was an unpopulated part of America is now very populated. It's happened before. It will happen again. Well, how does he know that? I don't know. Maybe he's been reading the Bible. Uh, because did you know that the Bible says, um, not if, uh, it will happen again. As we close, let's take a look at that proof text, folks. This is clearly going to go off again. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 through 14 says, I watched as he, Jesus, opened the sixth seal. And what happened? There was a great earthquake. And listen how what it did. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. The stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up. And what happened? Because of that earthquake, every mountain and island was removed from its place. Can I translate that for you? That means, guess what? The new Madrid fault line is going to go off again. Soon. You can laugh, you can scoff all you want, but if you continue to reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're headed for that reality. You can laugh, you can scoff all you want, but unless our country knocks off mocking God, that's going to happen to our country. Oh, let me give you, as we close, one, one idea. Um, to put it in perspective, the great San Francisco earthquake that we hear about all the time, that was felt over 6,200, 6,200 square miles. Pretty good size. The New Madrid fault line, when that went off, that was felt over 1 million square miles. That's how big that thing is. Folks, this is why God has given us these signs today on the final countdown update, famines and earthquakes, to show us, listen, the, tri the tribulation is getting close, man. And so is the rapture of the church, which takes place prior. And that's why Jesus clearly says this, Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, what do you do? Stand up, Christian. Lift up your heads because, praise God, your redemption draws near. That means, guess what? If you're born again and you're saved, the rapture is going to happen. He's coming back to get us. That's awesome. Woo! All right? That's what it is. Okay, but before it gets here, let's not get there empty-handed. If revival is going to come across our nation, revival starts with us. And we need to, this might sound weird, but don't get it out of context. Not so much pray for revival as we need to start living revival if it's ever going to happen now. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, heed these signs, heed these warnings from God Accept Jesus Christ now before it's too late or you will be left behind. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. 
Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how... Uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says, we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon, if you would just receive it, 
you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.